the, the powers that be have made football so inaccessible <clears throat> to the average Joe Bloggs. If you, if you say football is for the common man, then give it common man prices. UK police will visit almost 1,000 houses as part of a massive operation to crack down on illegal television streaming. And if anyone did knock on my door saying I'm watching an illegal stream, I'd be like, yes, I am. I pay for the internet and I'll shut my door because you lot have made it impossible for the average man to watch football. I'm Matt Cutler and you're listening to the Pirates versus the Premier League, a journey inside the world of illegal sports broadcasting. We've heard from both those watching illegal streams and those tackling the pirates. But what's the solution? If we turn the clocks back 20 years, the music industry's battle against piracy may well give us the answer. Music should be available to anybody that wants to hear it. I think that there should be no such thing as a price tag on music. Okay, maybe there's a price tag on the package that you buy. You know, you pay $13 for a CD, you get the artwork, you get the jewel box. But I don't want to turn on my fucking radio and have to put a nickel in it to hear Metallica. I understand where some people come from when they say, Napster is taking money away from me. I don't have food in my refrigerator because Napster's got my song all over the internet and no one will buy my demo tape. But you know what? When it's someone that sold 50 million records and they got 50 million dollars and they're bitching about pennies, you, man. <laughs> the voice you just heard was Dave Grohl, lead singer of Foo Fighters and the drummer in Nirvana. He was speaking in 2001 on The Dennis Miller Show about music sharing platform Napster. At the height of its popularity, Napster had 1.6 million simultaneous users. And though its original incarnation was only active for two years, it changed the world as we knew it, allowing people to share valuable content like music for free, undermining copyright laws, much like sport today. There are also parallels for sport in how the music industry tried to solve the Napster problem. Ah, Napster, a name that brings a warm glow to copyright lawyers all over America. It promised free software for all, delivered, and was promptly closed down. The reason it was interesting is not because it was different or just because it was digital, because it was better. It was instant gratification, better supply of music. About 70% of the people that go into a music store can't find what they're looking for. But this music store was free. And that's when the lawyers joined in. In the music industry's approach to tackling Napster and its copycats, the recording industry of America on behalf of record companies like Sony and Warner Brothers, sued hundreds of internet users. This included 12-year-old girl Brianna Lahara, who lived with her single mother in public housing. In America, we all know from press reports that the RIAA has taken fairly strong action against uh, what we call serial uploaders. They did not set out to target 12-year-old girls. It is very regrettable, and I think they regret it, that uh, that was the, the outcome of their action. Brianna was fined $2,000 for downloading and sharing 1,000 songs, including If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands. Hi, Matt. How are you? Rich. Yeah, I'm doing really well, thanks. How are you? How are you? I'm very well. We're 
almost getting towards the end of this now. You know, between us, how many people have we spoken to? Fifty plus. But I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to work out how, you know, how we. What, what's the, what's the kind of the last question we ask? So, this is a good indicator that something's popular. No one, no one pirates something that's crap. And the music analogy is that this. What I quite like is is when they start talking about what this says about demand. So this is a signal that there's something wrong with the way it's being presented to the market, i.e. the price is too high or whatever, or it's in the wrong place or it's it's putting too many barriers in the way. So all of those things were relevant to music. So I can sort of see, you know, that's where you end up. It's not a perfect ending because we're not going to solve piracy. But I'm interested in that argument. I'm also interested in challenging that argument, because actually, it's one of those, I think, yeah, it makes me sound clever, that. Yeah. But actually, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm hugely in favour of me sounding clever. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Obviously, without sounding too hyperbolic about it, if what happened to the music industry happened to the sports industry, then, you know, half the revenues might disappear overnight. And, you know, what does that mean? I guess that's that's one of the big questions. Will Page, former chief economist at Spotify, has got an interesting view on this. Okay, great. If you think about a CD and HMV, if you remember those things in those stores, it was a it was a good that was scarce. It was one CD left on the shelf, and it was excludable. There's a big nasty security guard making sure that you paid for it before you left the store. That's Will Page. As true to his word, Richard Trapp, the former chief economist of Spotify, down. What Will has to say about the parallels between what we're seeing now in sports and what we saw 20 years ago in music are fascinating. Spotify launched in 2006, boasting Napster founder Sean Parker as an early investor, and is currently the world's biggest streaming service for music by number of subscribers. You can go to what happened with Napster, which is music became not scarce, you know, it is millions of songs in Napster and we can download them all and they're still there tomorrow and not excludable there was no security guard forcing us to pay so we went from a private good to a public good overnight in June 1999 and it was uh, it was a, a rocket that, that took us all by surprise in 2008 the year Spotify launched 1.2 billion songs were downloaded illegally according to Ipsos in 2012 this had dropped by 80% to 210 million however the transition from piracy to low-cost music streaming also went in parallel with a significant fall in music industry revenues, which bottomed out at $7 billion in 2014, having stood at $21 billion in 1999. Here's the assessment of John Kellogg, the lawyer who represented major R&B acts including the OJs. Napster arrived on the scene and burst the bubble of CD sales. Spotify was one of the first streaming services that was able to negotiate licenses with all of the major labels and many independent labels to allow for unlimited access to a wide catalog of music. And that's going to be the big charge for artists over the coming years, to make sure that they're represented well and advocate for greater share of the revenue that's generated from these subscription services and digital streaming. Simply put, piracy is under control in music, but the new model where artists get paid through streaming services isn't yet as lucrative as the model in the pre-Napster era. And it's a model that's still being worked out. Sports Napster moment. It's not happened, 
People have been expecting it to happen for nearly 20 years. And a lot of people are predicting doom and disaster, the disruption of sports rights market in the way that we've seen in music and news and porn. Has there been a problem that has been solved in some way? Because obviously we've seen the West Mercia police are knocking on 1,000 doors, you know, to tr- on behalf of... Footballers who get paid more in a week than the Prime Minister gets paid in a year. Please shut up. You're doing more harm than good and you're shooting yourself in the foot. I want to be really blunt on this. Music spent 10 years. We spent millions on fighting piracy and we lost billions in revenue. You don't need a degree in economics to understand what happens with that ratio. We spent millions suing consumers, suing websites, suing ISPs, and all the time, all the consumer wanted to do was go to the internet and discover music. And I don't like the idea of footballers who do get paid more than the Prime Minister on a weekly basis, versus an annual basis, apparently needing to sue a consumer for stealing the content. I know the lawyers will love it. I know the lobbyists get paid handsomely to do it. Park it. Don't work. I'm calling it out right now. Why do people use Spotify instead of stealing music? I'll tell you why. It's because the play button works 285 milliseconds after you press play. Now, I challenge you to steal music faster than 285 milliseconds. You can't do it. Give me convenience and I'll pay. Change the proposition. Customers are not evil. They don't want to stick it to the man. They want convenience. Spotify was big in Sweden. Spotify was big in Norway, 2008, 9, 10. Then in 2011, we took off in Holland. Three quarters of a million subscribers in less than a year, and we didn't even have an HR department back then. Interesting point. Piracy was not illegal in Holland. It had the weakest copyright laws you can imagine. The consumer knew due to this levy that you had to pay, it was not unlawful to go to BitTorrent and steal a file. Lawyers hate me for pointing this out. The country with the weakest copyright laws, where it wasn't even unlawful to steal, was the first country to crush piracy and monetize streaming. This is why I have a frustration with lawyers and lobbyists in the war against piracy. If there's a thousand people somewhere in the middle of England using a dodgy platform to get their sports, maybe that's how you groom the next subscriber. I, I just think the sports industry don't behave like an ostrich. This disruption is like a tide and it rises way behind your ankles. You know, it's it's coming. I've spoken to some of the biggest premiership football clubs in the world and they say that's the dilemma. We just think it's going to, we can brush it under the carpet. You can't. It's coming for you. When listening to Will speak about how the Spotify solution ended the impetus to pirate music, I was reminded of something Branco, who voiced Balkan-based IPTV reseller Neo, said to me after we'd finished recording our interview. I'd be really interested to know, right, you, you, you're you a massive football fan. How, how, do, how do you and your friends watch football? Actually, sports piracy in our country doesn't work that much. So, like, maybe I'm paying uh, 14 euros, something like that, to watch Premier League, Champions League and, and NBA and all other things because only only one uh, channel has has it all. Like. So where you live, one channel basically has all the sport and it's 14 euros a month. So there's no real need for anyone to pirate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because uh, they came with some cloud application that you can like uh, use it on your phone, uh, computer, or TV. You just have to download the app. And I think it's great. I'm guessing you know how to find a free link to a sports game or a Premier League game if you needed to. Is that fair? Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. But 
I'm I'm apart from my family right now, so I can watch the games for 14 euros, and uh, as I paid it, my father at home can watch games too at the same time. So I think it's really not not that much of a price for for that. So I think back to where it started. Me sitting at home, not being able to watch my football team play live on TV. Frustrated? Yes. But with real ignorance around the chain of organised crime profiteering from feeding people like me, avid football fans, who are ultimately unable to get the live sport that they want in a way that they want to watch it. So how hopeful can I be that myself and millions of others will one day be able to get that? I asked Frank Dunn how likely it was piracy would cause a Napster-style crash of the sports industry that would result in a Spotify for sports. Well, piracy has been rampant for at least a decade and on its own has not caused the bubble to burst. Unless something extraordinary happens, I don't think there will ever be enough people who, who choose that route for it to crash the whole thing. I think that if you're looking at the market globally, I think we're looking at a situation where the top four US leagues, the Premier League, the Champions League, and a few other properties, maybe things like UFC, they're safe for a decade. The, the conversations I've had with people close to the Premier League is that they feel relatively sanguine about the next one or two cycles, that there is growth there still. I think the Premier League doesn't want to have to reinvent the wheel. This kind of sweet point where you bring the price down and you raise the quality. Because essentially, with music, it got to the point where there was no longer an incentive to pirate because the accessing music at a high level at a good value, sport doesn't want to go down that road because it would have a catastrophic effect short to medium term on, on media rights values. I think the music industry found a solution, but in, before getting to that point, they lost a tremendous amount of value. I think that that's what the media and, and, and the sports rights industry is, is concerned of. I think that they know that there is a commercial solution. I mean, you're a Villa fan. If you had the chance to get a streaming service where you could only watch Villa games, if I could, if I could pay just to see United on streaming, I wouldn't watch anything else. And that's the threat. That's the threat to, to, to the system. I think until they're prepared to take that on and maybe short to medium term take a hit, I don't think they'll find a solution to piracy. The Pirates versus the Premier League was brought to you by Unofficial Partner Productions. Written and produced by me, Matt Cutler, and edited by Richard Gillis. If you have a tip related to sports piracy, email me via matt at unofficialpartner.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs>